What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Go behind the wheel and under the hood on everything automotive with high-speed stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Scott Benjamin, the auto editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. And I'm Ben Bolin. I write some videos here on our, the self-same website. Fantastic. Self-same? Can we say self-same? It's, it's okay. Everybody understands what you mean. Yeah, it's kind of redundant, yeah. though. Yeah, it's okay. We got it. We, we got, got it. it. So anyways, let's move on to uh, today's topic because I want to get right into it. It's a, it's it's got an unusual title, I'll tell you that. The, uh, the, the Probably have a lot of people guessing about this one. Yeah, a lot of the listeners are probably thinking, wait a second. Well, we have an article on our site that will explain this very concisely. Mm-hmm. Um, the article is called, What Does the Reptilian Brain Have to Do with Car Manufacturing? That's specifically the title they can look for on, on HowStuffWorks.com. Um, but we're going to explain it a little bit more, give it a little bit more, uh, I guess, a little more depth to it. Yeah, just a bit. Uh, just a little bit. Yeah. And yeah. We'll, we'll give you some insider tips that you may not immediately recognize uh, from the very beginning of the article, which is we're not talking about nearby snakes affecting your car buying or car manufacturing decisions. Yeah, this one sounded odd to me right when it came up, and I thought, what the heck does this mean? But um, I'm glad we looked into it because it's, it's pretty interesting, really. I mean, I had no idea all this was going on, so we can uh, we can delve right into it if you like. Yeah, Scott, break it down. What what exactly are we talking well, about? Um, I found a few different different papers about this, and there's a, there's a gentleman by the name of Paul McLean, uh, who is the former directory of, uh, or, I'm sorry, director of the laboratory of the brain and behavior at the United Na- at the United States National Institute of Mental Health. Okay. Oh yeah. Long title. Long but title. Um, his idea is that there is kind of an evolutionary development of the brain uh, where there are actually three different brains, mm-hmm. three different brains that work together. So everybody has these three different brains. It's not that you know one person has one type of brain, another one has another. Well, well, that may be true. Um, we're saying <laughs> right. that there are three that are three within every individual. Almost like if your brain was a city, there are three, these are three neighborhoods yeah, that compose the city. That's probably a good way to put it, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of dumb, dumbing it down, <laughs> but we're about, we're about to talk about the three segments, right? Yeah, there are three segments, and, and this is kind of key to this whole thing, mm. is that there are, there are three segments. There are the cortex, the limbic, and the reptilian. 
and the reptilian is one we're going to focus on, but I'll tell you about the cortex and the limbic as well, just so you know what they are, a little background, okay? Oh, yeah, don't, don't leave me hanging, man. I'll look um, dumb if somebody <laughs> asks me. <laughs> the, cor- the cortex is, it, again, this is according to uh, Paul McLean, um, it constitutes five-sixths of the human brain. So this is the, the largest portion of your brain. And uh, this is the outer section of the brain that um, it makes language, speech, writing, um, a lot of the uh, more... I guess intellectual. It's the highest functioning part of your brain. Like it's complex the, um, planning and yeah, stuff. Yeah, it, it's yeah, exactly. It's the rational part of your brain. It does the reasoning, and um, I guess before we go any further, all three of these work together too. So it's not just there's three parts. They work individually. They all work together um, mm-hmm. to make decisions. But again, the the cortex is the the thinking part of the brain. Really, um, they all think, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's it's more intelligent. I guess intelligent. The majority of the that. brain too. Uh, the limbic um, the limbic system. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the the second part of the brain that houses the uh, the center of emotion. So this is the this is the part that um, you know you may feel um, happy or sad or you know it gives you it gives you emotion along with um, mm-hmm. you know being balanced by the the uh, the more logical side of the cortex. Mm-hmm. And then we're getting to the reptilian, which is a very primal part of the brain. Always my favorite. Part. And this is where our our uh, subject today comes into mm-hmm. into play. The reptilian part. Of, now I'm I'm way oversimplifying all this, so please look into it if you want to. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. There's a lot more to this, but um, the reptilian brain uh, is really it's two parts. It's the brainstem and the cerebellum, and the brainstem and the cerebellum are primarily responsible for um, well self-preservation, mm-hmm. um, aggression, um, territory type situations, and uh, just like the, basically it loves it loves power. It loves sex. It loves uh, anything that's, that's bigger and badder than anything else. It loves mm-hmm. things that are um, um, stronger. It's uh, it's just a very base part of your brain. It's very, uh, and I, I know that's the base of the brain, but I'm saying it's it's also the base part of the brain. It makes uh, what we're calling in our article um, gut level decisions for us. So Scott, what what we're saying when we say gut level um, decision making, we're talking about really the possibility that this segment of your brain can influence your decisions or your interpretation of a situation in a way that you're not thinking about with that majority five-sixth uh, part of your brain. I guess so. It's a subconscious decision. It's, mm-hmm. it's something you've heard everybody say, I have a gut feeling. Right. I have a gut feeling this is right or this is mm-hmm. wrong. That's where this intuition is coming from, apparently, according to um, McLean. It's like the psychological term for the id. The I want, the power, exactly. the, uh, the power, domination, desire. Um, it's, I don't want to say it's crazy, but it's not as concerned with things outside of those immediate gut level reactions. No, no, no. It wants the biggest and best and, and the fastest and, you know, that type of thing. And you can understand where this comes into play a lot with somebody who's marketing a new vehicle mm-hmm. to us, the car buying public. Because what happens, Scott? What, what do you mean? What happens? What happens when you when you walk in the parking lot, and, and let's say it's the parking lot of a dealership, and you're mm-hmm. ready to buy a car, mm-hmm. and you came there looking for the most, you know. So you want to buy a minivan. You want to buy a minivan. You came there for a minivan, mm-hmm. right? And then just something happens as you're passing that that Mustang or the Corvette, mm-hmm. and the next thing you know, yep, you're driving home in your brand new Corvette. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's a uh, that's a again that's a reptilian decision. Uh, not that that's a bad thing. That's just uh, that's just the part of you that is saying, "I need to have this," and there's a reason why. Um, you know, it's just it's just 
telling you that that I, I have to be the the fastest or the best mm-hmm. or this is this is the best car because it's the sexiest it's the it's the boldest it's mm-hmm. the most powerful car um, I want you know the one with 600 horsepower I don't want the minivan that you know gets good fuel economy yeah so wait so car manufacturers you're saying they're aware of this they are and actually there's um there's there's something called neuromarketing that they're using right now and it sounds a little scary mm-hmm. neuromarketing but um, it's it's basically a new science that that kind of supports the idea of this gut level purchase mm. and the way it works is that um, subjects are, are hooked up to fMRIs which are um, magnetic resonant imagery that uh, that tells you what part of the brain is is operating at certain points so uh, okay. and they show them car um, car ads and they they monitor eye movement they monitor what parts of the brain are stimulated during certain times what excites them what uh, what gets them uh, I guess what stimulates that part of the brain—that's the reptilian part—and they they target that. They want uh, they want to if if they want to appeal to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's getting down to a sign. There's again broadly generalized. So sure. just look it up. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting that they can use new technology to to um, I guess re- just really fine tune this, really focus in on on mm-hmm. that part of the brain. Now, no one claims to know exactly how all the brain works, or you know, have it completely mapped out. Not but yet, at least. Not yet, not yet. But um, you know, this is a this is a step in the right direction, I guess, for for the car makers, auto manufacturers. You know, when we first started, uh, when we first talked about this, uh, you actually off the air have brought this article to my attention, and I was. Uh, so impressed by these neuro marketers mm-hmm. um, because it reminds me of some things we've read before about restaurants or grocery stores or a lot of other especially advertising mm-hmm. because we know that people respond to colors in certain ways and certain types of music or temperature you know it, it's very I don't want to generalize too much Scott but I would be willing to bet money were I a betting man that uh, a lot of people are more influenced by these sort of factors than we would like to believe. I, I think so. I think a lot of people, because it is that gut level feeling, and it may override the uh, the cortex in a lot of cases where you know sure. you go out looking for that minivan and you end up getting or or a sedan or whatever mm-hmm. you want something a lot more fuel efficient, and you then opt for something that's maybe something a little sexier like you might get the mustang or you might get the corvette like we mentioned um so i think i think it does override i mean otherwise these types of cars probably wouldn't sell um people just simply want those vehicles for one reason or another and there's a there's there's something behind that there's there's Mm -hmm. um i guess is it physiology it would be physiology behind this right yeah it's physical definitely yeah it's definitely something like that so um there's a there's a point to all this for them so what do you think uh, what what's your take on this as far as um well, I don't want to verge onto morality, Scott. But mm-hmm. what's your take on this? How do you how do you oh, feel boy. about this technique? Yeah. I I don't know. This seems it seems pretty deceptive to be able to do something like this. But then again, every person is different. Um, so you have you know you have your own mind. You can make your own mind up. Mm-hmm. So you can. And did I say that right? I hope I did. You can but, make your own mind up. Yeah, yeah, sure. That means that um, you know you can if you stick to your guns on this. If you want something that's uh, affordable and, mm-hmm. and reliable and uh, good gas mileage, and you can stick to that, or you can go with your gut feeling. Some people just do that, Ben. Sometimes they uh, they just kind of go off on a whim and, and do what they want. And they're maybe more ruled by the reptilian brain than they are by the cortex or the uh, well, probably the reptilian and the limbic uh, combined. But um, you know the emotional as mm-hmm. well, 
but um, maybe the cortex loses out in that case. And there's no reason why manufacturers wouldn't would have to just stick with the reptilian. No, there's not because they can they can focus on the cortex side of things where they would say, um, you know, here try to make it appeal to that. Mm-hmm. So you're gonna you're gonna uh, have see sedans that have you know fantastic gas mileage or that are uh, cheaper to begin with and that you safer. Know, appeal. So, exactly, somehow, you know, they yeah. they they advertise uh, the safety of the vehicle mm-hmm. and that appeals to the cortex side of you, the the uh, logical rational thinking side of you, um, where you say like yeah. I've got a family i need to have four doors and i need to have something that's you know unbelievably safe hmm. and i want something that's not going to roll over on me i want something that's um you know just i i guess a solid car is what you described it as um and that's when the cortex is won over in this case you know you may have to leave that gut feeling behind um in some cases you know i'm such a sucker for this kind of stuff because i can't I'll, even though i'm aware intellectually or i guess five-sixths of my brain mm-hmm. is aware of mm-hmm. this sort of process, mm-hmm. dude, I fall for it so hard every time. Do you? Yeah, I'm. Well, I'm that guy who will be sitting, and I'm so. It's so easy for me to take a suggestion like that. I'm that guy who will be sitting in traffic, listening to the radio, and then hear an ad and go, "When was the last time I had a Whopper? <laughs> I, I have to get one <laughs> of those it, right now." So it totally works on you. I don't even I mean, like Whoppers, really, Scott. But you. <laughs> <laughs> it just happens. I don't think I should be. People like me should not be allowed either really large amounts of money or the ability to, you know, go to car dealerships. I see. Yeah. So you are, you're, uh, you're, I guess a tool of the marketing person. I kind of, they know me. Sorry, I didn't mean to put it that way exactly. No, it's okay. (laughs) I've dealt with being a tool a long time ago. But no, what what I'm saying is again, you know, that's why we should highlight that point. Um, A lot of times these gut reactions that happen are purpose uh, purposefully uh, solicited by the people in charge of making products for you to buy and cars are no different um, one of the tricks you know if you don't want to give into it or you think you're particularly susceptible one of the one of the biggest tricks is to uh, wait around for some time mm-hmm. don't immediately act on it and if you wait for a few minutes odds are it's gonna lessen your and, uh, your emotions and, are going to fade, is what you're saying. Yeah, unless you're, yeah. Unless, don't count going on a test drive as waiting before you make yeah. a decision. You know, I, I've before when I was purchasing a car, um, they let me take the new car home. Not a new car; it was a used car. Mm-hmm. Uh, they let me leave my car at the dealership and take that one home overnight, just to see how I, you know. Yeah. I, I likened it to, um, yeah, sure, go ahead and take the puppy home and see if you don't like it. You know, then bring it back if you don't want it. Uh, there's there's no way you're gonna say I don't like this car because you're leaving your 10 or 12 year old car at the dealership, sure, and bringing home one that's two years old and has far less miles and it's been you know detailed by the dealership, mm-hmm. uh, drives fantastic, it feels great. You're gonna say like you know you know because you spent that much time behind the wheel and you you've already seen it in your garage, um, you know it's it's they were appealing to the gut level I guess on on that one. Um, yeah, it's hard to say no on it, that one. It really is, and it, it was still a smart decision. I know it was, but um, they did let me take it home, and, and I did fall for that. But um, I also knew what I wanted. I didn't I didn't go in blindly either. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're the type who would fall for that kind of thing. Uh, it sounds more like you knew what you wanted, but that definitely sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. Usually it's a matter of money for me. Yeah. I usually yeah, uh, hold off on the thing just because money. I mean, I, I'm drawn to it, of course, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I usually, I guess, get better sense uh, towards the end when I look at my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> I realize it's not there. Wait, your so, real bank account or the what? The anonymous one. The anonymous what? 
I'm sorry, man. Anonymous. Oh, no, listen. My, the overseas Scott, account? I promise yeah. you we will take that part yeah, out. Sure, okay. No mention of my overseas <laughs> accounts, right? Um, the, the, the other interesting thing about this is that there are some cars now that appeal to all three parts of the brain. That seems like, a, I guess, a logical conclusion, but it seems really yeah. difficult to do. It, it does, but when you look at cars like, uh, and I think our examples here in the, uh, in the article are the Tesla Roadster oh, um, wow. and the Fisker Karma. Um, these cars that are that are sexy, mm -hmm. they're they're the environmentally sound thing to do, I guess. If you want to if you want to so say the that, we could say it's environmentally sound. Sure. Um, and also there, you know, there's the mileage thing, and there's the uh, you know you're you're doing a good job for the environment, and you're mm -hmm. you know you're leading the way for um, alternative fuels, and you know there's there's this whole angle that that we haven't even seen yet really because there's not many of these out there. Um, so they're going to start appealing to all three parts of the brain, um, and they know what they're doing. They they really do. Mm. It's not uh, it's not that they're trying to hide it. Well, those are not inexpensive vehicles no, either. No, they're so. not. They're very expensive at this point. Well, expensive for me, anyways. They're they're mm. up near the one hundred thousand dollar mark, and um, or if not over. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, they're they're expensive, but you know that that may be where the cortex takes over and says yeah. you can't do this. Well, eventually, Maybe. the cortex always has the last word. Yeah, that's right. Eventually, that's right. So I guess then I, I don't know, Scott. What do you think? Do you think we've broken down a little bit of the uh, of the how behind? I buying think so. Cars? You know what? I think I think um, just getting it out there, letting it be known that yeah. uh, there is a, this uh, this reptilian brain and car manufacturing link. Mm -hmm. um, I think people will be interested in that. I think they'll uh, they should take a deeper look at it. Maybe of course read our article and then and then go from there. There are links at the end of the story that can uh, take you to other places where people have you know written papers, uh, had discussions about about uh, this, this whole connection. And ladies and gentlemen, of course, we are by no means implying that you are anywhere near as gullible as I am. So <laughs> so please don't think we're saying that. Just just uh, a word to the wise. Be aware of it. Fair enough. Yeah. You want to do some listener mail? I love listener mail. Okay, Scott. So James writes in from Tokyo to say that uh, he's listened to our show for a few months now. He really enjoys it. Love hearing that. From Tokyo. Yeah. Wow. Um, and uh, during our recent uh, episode on automobile recalls, this is what he's talking about. Uh, he says, you mentioned the Audi uh, SUA sudden unintended acceleration problem. And he notes that the NHTSA, National Highway Traffic and Safety Association, right, report concluded the majority of those incidents uh, were based on pedal misapplication. Hmm. So, so you're saying you're saying that someone hit both pedals at the same time? Kind of operator error ah, is what so that the, would be. The and pedals so, are too close. That's mm -hmm. what they're saying. And then here's where it gets interesting. He says, it is also worth noting that the Porsche 911 at the time had the exact pedal location as the Audi, and some commentators have posited that the problem laid with the type of people who bought and drove 911s, because, again, those Porsche drivers did not have any uh, sudden unintended <laughs> acceleration problems. Oh, boy. Versus the people who bought the Audis. With the pedals in the same place. Ben, Ben, Ben. I know. Ben. I'm just saying this is what this is what James is saying. Man. I understand. This isn't me. I understand. So I wanted to get your take on that. Ah, uh, boy, I, that's a hard one to comment on that's because a tough one. I know. I mean, I hate to say. It, well, you know what? I don't know if I want to say that, but you probably can guess what I'm thinking. I, I love the 911 or 911. You said 911. I know. That's uh, okay. Just, I don't want to. You say got it. you got me saying it now. Yeah. I, I love the 911, um, and I know that you know it's typically an enthusiast that gets a vehicle like that. Um, typically someone who's, that's their weekend vehicle, or maybe it's a daily driver, but they're really into driving their cars. That's fair. Um, they're very precise. Mm -hmm. Um, but 
Um, as far as the Audi owners, I mean, it's hard to say who who's behind the wheel because mm-hmm. I had an Audi. Um, I know a lot of people that just drive one as daily drivers, but and, and you're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, crazy. Uh, but I, I again, I'm I'm just sidestepping this whole thing as you yeah. can tell. I don't really want to say that I I think it may be true, but um, if the pedals are too close and someone hit both pedals at one time, I could see the car lurching forward. I could understand how that happens. Yeah, and, and I didn't really say anything there, did I? No, I thought that was a really good duck. Actually, <laughs> I was like I'm in the, the Matrix. I'm, I should be a, politician that, i think it was pretty good yeah man. um but yeah so james thanks for writing and we're not going to uh we're not really gonna say that we think we can generalize about these kind of vehicles except that people who do buy that porsche probably do tend to be automobile enthusiasts and this probably is uh not their daily driver but if it is we can be absolutely certain that they're probably on their best behavior when they're driving it Okay, I'll go along with whatever you say, Ben. Oh, okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll take I'll, I'll take the fall. Like I'll cop out like that. Okay, that's what I do. Every no, everybody yeah. gets one. Um, yeah. All right, well, guys. So we've touched on a little bit of a controversial uh, listener mail. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed reading it. Thanks to James for writing in. Thanks to all you guys for listening. And if you have an idea for a topic, uh, if you have some stories that you would like us to hear, then please send us an email at highspeedstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the High Speed Stuff blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. Yes, we could go all electric with a Toyota BZ4X, but then there are hybrids like Grand Highlander. Or we could do something in between like a RAV4 plug-in hybrid. So Toyota is electrified diversified? Yep, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, the closer we all get to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision for the future. Exactly how much coffee have you had this morning? Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.